All right. Well, amen. Well, amen. Well, good morning, church. Morning. Wow. You guys up, man? You ready? Good morning, church. Morning, man. Good to see you guys uh, here today, man. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Buck, uh, and I have the honor and privilege of serving as uh, the lead pastor at Connection Church Dublin. And so I, I just want to say, uh, if it's your first time here, a, a special welcome. Man, you're, you're really on the, the best place on the planet you could be on a Sunday. And so we're excited that you're you're here. And so um, to, to get ready, you guys uh, have been going through this series called uh, Summer at Connection, right? And you guys uh, that have been here for a while, I'm sure it's a, a stroll down memory lane, uh, getting to see all uh, of the pastors of our churches. And man, let me just say, it is an honor and a privilege uh, to be here. And I really want to start out this time uh, sharing kind of how I, uh, I got here. I was looking on the way in and, and it says uh, that there's a mission here, that, that we exist uh, to connect, equip, and send God's people. And that's a lot of what I'm going to be talking about today, but I want to share my story uh, of really, man, that, that just works, okay? And so I, I got connected uh, really to an authentic relationship with Jesus uh, as a college student, going to Georgia Southern, uh, just the old country boy from, from Lyons. And, uh, and man, I, I moved in uh, right over here in Greenhaven to a trailer with a guy uh, named Billy Shiver. Do you guys know him? Might've done a little preaching last weekend. Is that right? And, uh, and man, Billy was really a, a great influence in uh, my life. And he kind of got me uh, connected to, to this church that, that man was just super authentic, super real. And, and really, uh, I met a guy, and a guy was named Brandon Williams. And man, um, he preached the gospel with such realness and such authenticity that really for the first time, I began to understand uh, that Jesus loved me and wanted a relationship with me. And really in this, I began uh, to be connected and that uh, I began to attend church. I began uh, to really foster uh, a real relationship with God and that Billy was such a great example of that, of, of he lived it out in front of me, that he authentically uh, lived it out. And he kind of got me out of uh, really my, my kind of hanging out was hanging out on Thirsty Thursdays, right? And he kind of transferred me from Thirsty Thursdays uh, to Wonderful Wednesdays. And what that was, was the very first Connection Kids ministry. In fact, a, a lot of the youth group that graduated last year, Dake and those guys, uh, I used to crush those guys with dodgeballs on Wednesday afternoon, right? Um, and so I really got into to serving and, and began to see what a, a real relationship with Jesus looked like, to be connected to Jesus and be connected uh, to his church and serving. And so the years rocked on and, and a few years later, uh, God called me out of the school system and in to full-time ministry that I had really no idea uh, how to be a pastor, uh, how to teach or how to walk in this gifting. And I can say this for certain, okay, is that coming to this church, I really learned how to lead, uh, how to be a pastor and how to be a courageous leader that was about the gospel. And for the rest of my life, I'll forever thank Brandon Williams, Billy Shiver, and this whole church for that. And that you guys taught me what it looked like to put Jesus first, to be passionate about the right things, for the voices on the outside of the church to always be louder than the voices on the inside. And so I was equipped here. And my wife and I were sent, 28 years old, scared to death, but man, we knew it was we had experienced in our lives what Jesus could do. 
And so I was connected here. I got equipped here and I got sent to Dublin back in 2017. We began our first services and man, God has been incredibly faithful. I'm excited to say just this year, okay, since last August, 72 people have said yes to Christ. 51 have been baptized right there at our church in Dublin. And we celebrate those numbers because listen, every number has a name, every name has an eternity and those names are now written in heaven. But that church and that whole thing we just celebrated doesn't happen without your faithfulness, your heart to connect, equip, and send God's people. And so we'll forever be indebted. And so today, as we talk about the, the one thing, okay, uh, what is the one thing to embrace? And man, I sought the Lord on this. And if you're taking notes, I want you to take this with you. The one thing that would change it all for us, that we would see revival and see God move in a powerful way, if the church embrace God's vision for the church. If the church embraced God's vision, it would be the one thing that changed everything, okay? And I want you to know this, that the church is not the service, the church is not a place, the church is the chosen people of God, right? And so as the people of God, what I'm asking for today is that we would lock in and hear what God has to say to us. So if you have your Bibles, you go ahead and open those. Uh, Ephesians chapter four is where we'll be, Ephesians chapter four, uh, starting in verse one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read, we'll pray. We're going to hop into God's word and see uh, what he has for us. So Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1, this is what God's word tells us. So it says this, it says, uh, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we, reach, till we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself in love, up in love as each part does its work. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we do love you. God, I thank you for your word. God, no doubt the best part of the service, Lord. God, I pray as we uh, come before you, God, I do ask that you uh, would use this time. Lord, would you speak to your people? God, I yield myself to you. And Lord, I just pray that this time uh, that you would speak and God, you would have your way. God, I know we come in with a, maybe a zillion things on our mind or maybe we just stumbled into church, but God, I thank you that you're the living God who's here and you're able to meet us exactly where we are. So God, I pray for that. I ask for it in faith. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. All right. So today, again, we're going to be talking about embracing God's vision uh, for the church. And so uh, anytime when you're reading a passage of scripture, uh, context is really, really important. And so what Ephesians is about is a guy named Paul uh, went and planted uh, this church. And so this letter is written back to this young church. And basically what he's doing is he's teaching them now how to grow and how to uh, mature. Okay. And so it's really speaking uh, to that. And so really the focus of the passage is that maturing churches are designed to grow in unity and maturity. Hear that again, that he says he wants the church to grow in unity uh, and maturity and to be focusing, focusing on equipping God's people, equipping God's people for the work of the ministry. Okay. And so this is the overarching uh, uh, thing of what he's wanting to say. And so for us to understand uh, what God wants for the church, we have to really understand what is God's big plan. Okay. And so I can tell you from, from cover to cover, uh, the story of the Bible, the, the purpose that we're here, God's goal is to have worshipers of him among the nations. Right, that every tribe, nation, and tongue would be worshipers uh, of God, that that is God's end goal, worshipers of all the nations. And so that is right now what God is accomplishing in the earth. Okay, now God's plan to accomplish, uh, I'm sorry, God's vehicle to accomplish this purpose is the church. All right. And again, remember the church is not a, a place. It is the chosen people. Listen, we are, let me put it simply. We are God's plan A to reach the world and he has no plan B. We are the chosen people of God that God desires to fulfill this great call. And so what we're going to look at today is what I believe God wants for a growing, healthy church. And so if you take this notes, what we're going to see in the first six verses is we're going to see God's heart for healthy culture healthy culture in a church. So let's read, starting in verse one. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. It says to be completely humble, okay? So we're talking about culture here. It says can be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all in all and through all in all. So when we look at healthy culture, the first thing we see in verse one is we have to recognize who we belong to, okay? Who we belong to. And that Paul says that he is a, a prisoner for Christ, right? But, but listen, I know that has such a, a negative connotation, but I want you to know is that Paul understood that he once was a prisoner, a captive to sin, to Satan, uh, to, to, the, to being an, an enemy of God. And listen, when he met Jesus, God freed him. He, he rescued him and that saw, Paul had a, such an experience with Jesus that he never got over it. Listen, how many of you would agree when you meet Christ, everything changes. I, I think back, man, maybe some of you, you may be new to this or on the fence about coming to know Jesus. Man, I want you to know, uh, man, I'm super pumped that you're here. I tell people all the time, when, when I became a, a, a captive, when I became a follower of Jesus, man, listen, Jesus had to rescue me from a lot. Back in the old days, when I got connected to Christ, I was going to connection. Uh, we used to baptize folks in the river. Man, y'all got it nice up in this joint, man. Y'all got some water that's halfway clean. 
right? And you get to get up in here and get baptized. Well, back then, uh, we got baptized in a river. So me and a few guys went out there uh, and we got baptized. And I tell people all the time, if you think you walked in here with something rough, do you guys remember back in 2011 where they shut the whole river down and the fish started dying and everybody was like, what the heck's going on? Yeah, it was about a week after I got baptized, okay? So, so listen, my sin shut down a river. So some of y'all think y'all, y'all got some stuff, man. Listen, y'all didn't know there's some fish met their maker through me. But, uh, but, but we see that Paul understood this, that he was, he was rescued, he was captivated. And he said, I'm urging you as the church, you live a life worthy of the one who rescued you from your sin, shame, and death. Right? And so it starts with the church understanding who we are, but more importantly, whose we are, which is Christ. And then he goes on to say uh, that we have to know who we belong to, but also how to behave. What does a healthy church look like? A healthy church uh, is growing in humility. Verse two, uh, gentle, that we grow in patience. Man, walk out in the world 10 minutes. It requires some patience not to lose your mind out there. Amen? I mean, heck, me and Thigpen were riding the church. Dude, dang near ran us right off the road. I'm, I'm talking about... Like I, Jordan Thickpin has like matrix capabilities because listen, we about didn't make it to church this morning. Old boy didn't look to the right and he about ran us off uh, the, the road, okay? And so uh, this world requires uh, patience. And then it says bearing with one another in love. It says to make every effort to keep unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And then four, four through six, it talks about unity. These are the cultures of a growing healthy church. Now, why is this important? Uh, Peter Druckers once said, he said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And what that means is, is what I really believe uh, we, we need to be is a culture that is attractive, a culture that people outside of the church actually look in and want to belong. I mean, when you look at the world, when we see that, that what's going on in the world, what you're gonna see is a lot of fighting, a lot of disunity, a, a lot of unsettledness, man, it's, it's crazy. And so what we do is we exist to connect people, right? We exist to connect people to Jesus. But listen, once we connect people to Jesus, we need to be connecting them to a family, right? And we have to be a place that's worth getting connected to. As a church, listen, we have to be a place that's worth uh, getting connected to. And so uh, we, we see that healthy churches uh, are embodied with healthy culture, you know, as we look at the, the future, I, I really, and I believe it was God's grace in this, I, I went to a conference when I first got going in ministry, and the name of the conference was called the Centered in Scent Conference. And basically what it was saying is churches that are going to flourish in the next, uh, the next hundred years or so are going to be churches that are centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ and sending people out to reach people in their context to bring them into the body. You know, we're, we're in a post-Christian era where you can't just pop up a church and then, you know what? Hey, I've, I've been looking for a church. I'm going to go. That's just not the world we live in anymore. And so if we're going to reach people far from God, we have to know what we're bringing them into. You want me to tell you what I believe everyone's looking for? Everyone's looking for a place to belong and a family to belong to. And so this is what the, it looks like here. And, the, and I want you to know, man, this is all great, good, but healthy churches are only healthy because they contain healthy disciples. And that's the part you play, right? And that we, the only way we can be healthy is you grow healthily in Christ and that you have a part to play in helping people get connected. 
That's why as healthy disciples, we are growing in service, right? We're growing in evangelism. We're growing in our heart for community. We're growing in our heart for generosity because what do those things do? Those things cause us to put Jesus first in our life and they cause us to be humble. They cause us to be patient with people. It calls us to, to love people even when it's difficult. And when Jesus is lifted high and the mission is at the forefront, what you're gonna find is a passionate unified church. Listen, if you wanna know what creates great unity in the church, it's a great hunger for Jesus and a great hunger for his mission, right? And when you see Jesus for who he is, when you see him for what he's done, when you see him for what he's called to do, we don't have time to argue over the carpet color. We don't have time to argue over the song set. We don't have time to argue of what's going on the exterior because we see what we've been called to. And brother, we need to lock arm in arm walking together to fulfill this great calling we've been called to. There's a lot of unity around the mission of God. And that's who we've always been. That's why we are here. And so I ask you the question, I want you to take this with you. Are you growing to become a healthy disciple? Are you growing to become a healthy disciple? This is what Paul says his heart is for the church. Now, verses seven through 10, I want you to read this with me. But it says that each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. The second thing I want you to see in here is this, is that we have to have great stewardship of the gifts to embrace God's vision for the church. We have to see ourselves as stewards. They have great stewardship uh, of God's gifts. And so you're like, well, what, what does that mean that, that Jesus descended and then he ascended and it says he gave people's gifts? Um, I, I try and keep things simple. And really, I, I just wanna make this uh, really, really simple is that God's grace, his, his unmerited favor, okay, gives us spiritual gifts. We come to faith in Christ, all right? We, we are given a spiritual gift that is used to give God glory, right? And used to build up the church. To put it simply, Jesus went through hell to save you and to give you a gift. Hear that again. Jesus hung on the cross. He died and he descended to the, the lower regions, right? To go through something you and I could never understand on this side of eternity. And the reason he did it is to provide a way for you to come to know the living God and to be with him for all eternity, right? But also with that, he's given us gifts that he wants us to use to give him glory and to build uh, the, the body. And so as you think about that, man, it's like, uh, what, what part am I called to play? And that many times, man, there's a lot left to be desired because we think, man, I've just called, been called to sit on the sideline. I, I've been watching, anybody been watching the Braves? I mean, we're hot as a firecracker right now. If you ain't, you need to turn them on, okay? We're, we're half a game back. And, um, and anyway, so I've been watching and I watched this guy named Otani. Is anybody familiar? Any pro baseball players, fans in here? All right, there we got one. Appreciate you, my, my boy, win. Yes, hey, good to see you. Listen, uh, everybody else, I'm, you may be tuning me out, but this is really good. Listen, uh, Otani, all right, is uh, a, a modern-day Babe Ruth. I mean, dude leads off, can hit jacks. He's a, he's a world-class hitter, 
And then he gets on the mound and he spins it in the, in the 90s. And before he played the Braves, he had like a 0.45 ERA. An unbelievable gifted player, unbelievable talent, right? And so this dude's been given these incredible gifts. Now I know uh, he's probably going through a lot of training to cultivate these gifts, but at the end of the day, these are God-given gifts to Shosei Otani. And so what if Shosei Otani, who has these incredible gifts that he's been instilled with, gets to be 18 and says, mm, you know what? I think I'm just gonna not play baseball. Like that would be nuts. I mean, dude is making millions upon millions. And we would say, dude, you are crazy. Like, listen, you've been given these gifts. You need to make sure you're using these gifts. You can make millions. We would think he's a crazy person. And thankfully he's using those gifts. But listen to me, I want you to know something. You and I have been given gifts to help get people to heaven. We, more so than making millions, we have been given gifts that are gonna help get people to heaven, to give God glory. And so, man, what a shame if we don't use our gifts to make sure God gets what, what he uh, deserves from us. But also, man, if you love your fellow brethren, God wants to use you to help them see Christ. And so we see that God wants us to steward the gifts well, that if we know Christ, we've been given one and to sit on the sideline is just not good. And so as we look forward, man, and we think about the gifts, I want you to know something, okay? The, the Holy Spirit does not move through great methods. The Holy Spirit used through yielded men and women, just like me and you. They have a heart to serve and say, Jesus, show me what you want me to do. I'm here to serve you. And that's how we see great change. We will see great revival in this place and beyond and through this nation. I have to let you know that I'm a product of the stewardship of gifts, okay? I'm a product of the stewardship of gifts. I think back to um, Billy and this great teaching gift and, and that he, he really mentored me and discipled me and that he didn't see just having a roommate. He saw an opportunity to exercise his gifts to teach and make a disciple, Man, I think about uh, Brandon, who, who's really this catalytic leader to, to really have a vision of a church that, that didn't really exist. And for him not to keep the gifts to himself, but to teach a young moron at 28 years old how to lead people, right? That he exercised the gifts, that he uh, stewarded them well, that he didn't keep them to himself. He wanted to pour it into the next generation. I wanna talk about uh, the prayer team for a second. And Eric and Vivian Gatto, Eric probably doesn't even remember this, but a year before I planted the church, he prayed over me. And man, he just prophesied over my life in a way that, that God just gave me great courage that I could do what God was calling me to do. And those prayer warriors have prayed for me and been with me in some of the, the darkest times of my life. They've loved me well. And I'll be honest with you, without them using those gifts, I don't know if I would stand in front of you today. And that stewarding the gifts is personal to me because that's how God uses the body to build it up, to edify the church and to send it out to go do what God has called us to do. And listen, he wants you to participate in this work. He, he's called you to. And so um, I want you to um, maybe ask yourself this question. Are you using your gift to build the church? If you know Christ Jesus is Lord, are you using your gifts to build the church? for that is the reason they're given. And so I encourage you, steward your gifts that Jesus died to give you. We only get to do life one time, be a good steward of his gifts. Now, uh, let's, let's look in verses uh, 11 and 12. So it says this, it says, so Christ himself 
gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So this is what's called the five-fold leadership gifts in the church, okay? And so um, they, they all maybe uh, leaders have one of those, but this is a call to leadership, the leadership offices of the church. In verse 12, and this is their purpose, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up and that, so that we all, until we all reach unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The third thing I want you to see is the design for church leadership. The design for church leadership. So what did God do uh, to, for leaders? What is uh, their, their purpose? And so, um, first of all, there where it says to equip his people for the works of the service. The, the work of the ministry is the call to make disciples, right? And Billy talked a lot about that last week, the call uh, to make disciples. That is literally to intentionally lead people to Jesus and to grow them up in the faith. And so uh, we see that uh, the leaders are called to equip his people for the work. And the work is to make God's name known, to, to show him great glory by going out and making disciples, okay? And so, um, and if I could put it simply, it's, it's teaching people how to obey the great command and the great commission. The great command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. And listen, the great commission is to go and make disciples, to make other followers uh, of Jesus. And if I could put it simply, leaders are called to equip. That means we are called to call the play right? To call the play. Uh, and so if you're not a sports fan, I may leave you today, but listen, man, you ought to turn it on. It's good stuff. But, but in, in calling the play, I had a difficult time with this. So before I was a pastor, uh, man, I was a, a high school history teacher, okay? And praise God for that season, trying to tell kids about Abraham Lincoln and get them to listen. You better learn how to communicate and be kind of fun, right? And so I was a high school history teacher uh, and a wrestling coach. And man, I really enjoyed that time period because I really got to see God work in my life to, to teach others about Jesus, to kind of be in the front lines. And, and I got to see God do some incredible things. I got to uh, really influence a lot of kids. And, 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 and I was so hungry to, to get kids to church and, and to grow in my faith. And I was making a difference. And then the hard part, was when God actually called me to lead in the church. Because now, as I was out running the play each week, God is, is, was teaching me that now I want you to equip people, that you're not gonna be on the front lines as much anymore, right? And that now I want you to teach people how to go and run the play. Because things are forever changed. Man, when you become a pastor, you better get used to getting everybody's best behavior. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I go to get a haircut and all of a sudden they turn into saints in like 30 seconds when they find out I'm a pastor. It never fails, right? And so, because the, the simple reality is, is that you guys are gonna have influence in circles that I'll never be able to go now. Does that make sense? And that now you know people and you know circles where you'll be twice as effective of sharing the gospel than I could ever be. And the reason God has put you in those circles because he loves the people in those circles enough to send you there. Right, And so as we equip the church for the work of the ministry, we're gonna see God do incredible things through you. And the call is to run the play, okay? And I think about it like this. And a lot of times uh, we, we miss this uh, in the church. Um, I think about it, we're getting ready for Georgia Southern football. We got Clay Helton in the house, right? Are we familiar? 
Yeah, new coach. So, so Clay Helton uh, is coming, and, and man, what's going to happen here in a few Saturdays is there's going to be around 25,000 people going absolutely bananas in the stands, okay? And there's going to be 22 guys on the field, and they're going to be worn out. They're going to be exhausted, especially in September when it's like nine zillion degrees out there. And man, we're, we're going to be cheering them on. And man, we're like, man, just run the play, man. Let's score a touchdown. And so the game ends and these 22 guys are wore out and everybody leaves the stadium. And sadly, what happens a lot of times in the church is that's how we behave, is that we're in the audience and we're like, hey, we're gonna pay you guys to get into this service and we want you to, to do all the ministry. And listen, we'll be here to cheer you on, man. Go, 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 go. And then we walk out. But listen to me, God's design for the church is what if the leaders were calling the play and all 25,000 got in shape and then went and ran the play. Man, that, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Listen, take this with you. We're a lot more effective as an army instead of an audience. The church is a lot more effective as an army instead of an audience. And that's what God is teaching us here is that the leaders equip the people for the works of the service and God can do much through you. Man, God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than all we could ever ask or imagine through one person that just says, God, I'm gonna go and do what you've called me uh, to do. And so church is the invitation to participate and run the play. So I want you to ask yourself the question, if, if I'm called for the work of the ministry, if, if what we're doing here is being equipped, what is my next step? You know, this idea of connect, equipped, and sin, man, listen, heart and soul, join a connect group. The growth challenges, listen, they're not just there for something fun. Listen, it's to prepare you to be all God wants you to be and to do all God's called you to do. And listen, I've lived life before being connected and equipped and after. And listen, once you get equipped to God's great mission, you see that he's called you, he loves you, he wants to use you, you'll never be the same. Man, when you begin to live life with this passion, this, this purpose, the intent for which you were created is to know him and to make him known in the earth. And he wants to use a simple, broken person just like me and just like you to do it. And that's what he's talking about here. It's to be uh, equipped for the work of the ministry. Where is God calling you to run the play? Where is God calling you to share about Jesus, to begin to live with intentionality and make disciples? And so we see, and moving on now, I, I'm really excited about this. Pick up with me in verse 13. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. I want you to see the, the, the goal. Is anybody, you just need it kind of simple. Just give me the goal, give me the purpose, right? And that's, that's me. And I want you to know that maturity is the goal of the Christian life. Right? And I know that's not a real attractive word, especially if you're young. Man, I fought being mature for so long. I'm like, God, I never wanna grow up, right? And so maturity is not this fun and flashy word, but I want to show you here that this is God's intent for our lives. And so he says that until we all reach unity in the faith 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Well, well, what is maturity in the faith? Is it the one who knows the most? Like I've got to know the Bible backwards and forwards. I've got to know Greek and Hebrew. I've got to clean up my act and then I'll finally be a mature Christian. What is maturity? Listen, he tells us attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. Listen, maturity in Christ is Christ likeness. It is not who knows the most. It is who, who knows the savior the most. It is becoming like Jesus. That is the goal of the Christian life, right? And so uh, I'll explain this uh, a little bit in that if maturity is the goal, uh, really the Christian life um, is a process, a pursuit of becoming more and more like Jesus. It's a goal that we will never attain until we fall over into heaven and we see him face to face. Now, this is why I begin to preach on maturity and why it's so important to my heart is that a lot of times we push, hey man, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. You need to, to, to get saved, to, to come to faith in Christ. And man, listen, when you do that, we need to celebrate every number because when you uh, respond in faith, when you say yes to Jesus, listen, you are justified. Just as if you'd never sinned, you now have a relationship with the living God for all eternity. You're, you're never gonna lose it, but rather you come to faith in Christ. But here's the deal, okay? I have never in my life, and if you have, you see me after service, I've never seen someone raise their hand and then poof, teleport to heaven, right? Like we don't disappear to heaven. God leaves us here, amen? And so when we're justified in faith, this process of I'm coming to faith in Christ to heaven is this process of what's called sanctification. And what happens a lot of times is that uh, we are just settled for, tell me what I gotta do to get Jesus and there's no vision of what Jesus is calling us into. I'll say it like this. Um, salvation gets us on the field, but it is not the end zone of our life, right? So, so if, if we come to faith in Christ, man, and we're constantly living life, hoping I'm good enough, hoping I've done enough, hoping I'm finally there, man, you're gonna live your life with a lot of question marks and you're gonna be swatting sin and just hoping you fall into heaven. And it's gonna be awful <laughs> because what we see is that God calls us to have a vision of pursuing Jesus, of becoming more like him, right? And then it becomes uh, something much different in that we, we see that the end zone is a pursuit of Jesus. We're not swatting sin anymore. We're running a race. We're on the field. We're, we're running to the end zone. We're running to heaven. Jesus, I want more of you. I want to be used by you. Jesus, help me to do all you've called me to do in this life. It's a pursuit of who he is. Because man, I'm telling you, when you just preach and we have a church that's just telling us, hey, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. You need to get better. You get to get the better. Listen, it's not just about what we're called to live from. It's about preaching who we're called to live to. And that's Christ. Right? And so it's exciting because when we come, we're going to worship, we're going to gather, and we're going to spur one another on to grow to maturity, to grow, to be effective in the mission. And this place becomes worshipful because we've been out there doing the ministry all week long. This just becomes the overflow, the celebration, the encouragement, the equipping of God's word. And then we're going to get it done out there. Right? And this is the vision of God's church. I think about it and they make fun of me. We have a saying uh, at Connection, that man, we want to ruthlessly eliminate butt-tap discipleship. And I know that may sound a little weird, and listen, I, 
Butt tap, you got to be careful with that. Don't actually do it, okay, in this day and time. But if you remember when I played baseball, when I would get a hit, okay, they would say, hey, good job, that a boy, and then I'd go sit on the bench. And a lot of times, like, that's what we see is that, hey, um, I, I, I want a relationship with Jesus, and you're good, they're good, and there's no more. Listen, I want you to know, man, God is calling you to more than just that. He's got a whole life planned for you. Ephesians 2 sin says he has good works. He has prepared in advance for you to do. And man, he wants to use you. I stand before you and tell you this truth in that God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than all you can think. And so I want to put it practically, well, well, how? Okay, so you're saying I have a process of, of, of growing to a mature disciple. I have uh, four things. There are four tenets. If you want to grow into maturity, if you want to become who Christ has called you to become, the first thing, it starts with uh, a knowledge of God, a knowledge of Jesus. And so in um, that word knowledge, and it should be uh, coming up on the screen in just a second, but this word uh, knowledge, okay, it's not intellectual knowledge. Listen, a relationship with Jesus is not intellectual assent to the Bible. That knowledge in the original language is an intimate relationship, right? So when we come to a relationship with Jesus, okay, and that you're not gonna be mature that one day, man, you gotta sit in Sunday school for 40 years or maybe even a seminary degree, then I can be effective, Number one thing I hear from people is I don't know enough. Listen, if you know the Savior, you've got what you need to begin growing. And that it's a relationship with Jesus. When we have knowledge of Christ, a relationship with Jesus, the gospel, the good news, that we've been freed from our sin, that we've been freed from our guilt and shame, God begins to birth a transformation in our hearts. The Bible says he gives us a new heart. He gives us this spirit. And what it does is it leads us to obey. In my own life, man, it, this is the first time that I actually began to live out the very thing I claimed because I didn't need a better version of myself. I needed Jesus leading myself, right? And so as we're transformed, we're gonna be moved to obey God's spirit. We're gonna be moved to obey God's teachings, right? And that, that what was, hey, I don't really have a desire to obey. Now we begin to want to obey. And we all have a next step in our life, right? It looks different for everyone. But once you come to know Jesus, we begin to want to obey. And so as we obey, our faith begins to grow of like, oh my gosh, I'm actually living this. Like I'm actually living this out. And we begin to see God's activity in our life. And so from there, we begin to want to be led of his spirit, right? And that's, that's prayer intimacy, Okay, uh, that's, that's a desire for God that we actually crave to be closer to God, to have a relationship uh, with God, all right? And so we want to kill sin in our life. We want to fight the flesh. We want more of God's spirit. And according to Acts 1.8, it says that the spirit of God gives us power to be his witnesses in the world. And so if you're submitting yourself to Jesus, if you're growing, the spirit will always lead you to be effective in the mission to tell your coworker about Jesus, to begin to preach the good news, to begin to, to live on mission, to, to want this relationship with God to flow over out of us into other people. And listen to me, this is how the kingdom grows. So it's the knowledge of Jesus, it's obeying Jesus, it's being led of his spirit, and then it's missional living, it's being effective in the mission. This is how the kingdom grows. And what we see here is the four tenets, okay? Kingdom growth is spirit-led. 
and it leads us to be effective in the mission. And if we could get that slide back up there with all four, and the first time you sense God using you and your gift to help others come to know Jesus, something just ignited my life that I just began to want to know God more. I began to want to know the word. I began to want to obey more. I began to want to have more uh, of him in my life. I wanted to kill sin because I wanted to be effective in the mission. That I was like, God could use someone like me. I'll tell you, the first time I ever led someone to Christ, it was a guy, I took him to Chick-fil-A. Guy was struggling in his marriage. I was petrified. I mean, I'm like, dude, I'm about to botch this. And so I went and man, I was available. I'm like, God help me. And man, I began to share the gospel with this guy and it was the worst jumbled up mess you've ever heard in your life. I'm talking about over this chicken biscuit. I'm like, if they say, well, you can't screw it up. If, I, if you could, I did it, right? And so I got done with this terrible spiel and he gave me this confused look. And he said, okay, he said, but I think what you're telling me is that Jesus loves me. He died on the cross for me. And if I trust him by faith, I'll be safe. Yes, thank you, Hunter. Yeah. Right, and so uh, and that, that when he came to faith right there in that Chick-fil-A booth, something ignited in me that I had never gotten over. That I've wanted more of God. I've wanted to obey him more. I've wanted more of his spirit. And listen to me, that's not for special people. That's not for pastors. That's for the church. Right? God wants to use you. No matter where you are, where you come from, listen, if you don't know him, come to know him today. If he's given you a next step to obey, obey it today because it's not just about you. It's about God's glory and someone in your life that needs to know the good news. We begin to want more of God. We begin to want to pray. We begin to want to seek his face. And man, God wants to use you to bring him great glory. That, my friends, is the purpose of the church. That is the purpose of God's people. I have no doubts about it. That's what he's calling you into. But it starts with, with knowing him. Listen, if it's I don't know enough to be effective, I'll say it like this. No doubt we need to read our Bibles. But the purpose of reading our Bibles is that we need to know the one who wrote our Bibles. And that's how we grow in this knowledge, this intimacy, this fellowship with God. And he'll lead you everywhere he wants you to go. And he'll use you wherever he sends you. Lastly, uh, read with me verse 16. It says, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Lastly, in the church, every person has a purpose. Every person has a purpose. There are no sidelines in the family of God. There are no washed up, banged up, too used up in the family of God. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord, he has called you by name. He, he desires to use you. And listen, for a body to work strong, we need every ligament doing its part. We need every tendon doing its part. It says that the body of Christ is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and it grows and it builds itself up in love as each part is doing its work. I hear people all the time say, man, are you, are you doing well with Christ? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm like, man, well, well how, how's it going in the church? Oh, I'm not, I'm not connected to the church, right? I've never seen a hand get cut off, thrown in the woods and grow and flourish. And that man, we have a part to play in the body. Some of you men are evangelists that need to go out and be telling others about Jesus. Some of you have a hospitality gift. You need to open up your home to welcome people in to come to know Jesus. Some of you, man, you, you're prayer warriors and that you need to set aside that time to pray and seek Jesus. 
All of us have a part to play in this great story and this great mission. But I wanna bring it back that the body won't function and we won't function as we were designed to in this life and we're, until we're connected to the head of the body, that is Jesus Christ. As we look in verse one, Paul says, as a prisoner to the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Jesus Christ left heaven, he lived sin. He obeyed God, he lived sin to connect you to God for all eternity. That's what Jesus did. And what he did for you and me is he lived a sinless life, one that you and I could never live, right? One we could never work our way into to get right with God. He, he was the one righteous one. He was the one sinless one. And what, is he, what he did is he got up on a cross and he bore the wrath of God. He paid for our sin, not just to save us from it, but adopt us into God's family. That is the church. Right, that we've been saved by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Well, we've been commissioned by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And what happens with this news is this. It's nothing you seek to earn. And then maybe today, you maybe just happened up in here. You don't know really where you stand. There's just a big question mark. Man, I wanna tell you what you do with this news is you repent of your sin, you receive it by faith. It's the craziest thing. You don't fight your way to get it. You rest in his finished work. And there was a day for me, again, Billy was discipling me. Brandon was preaching this news to me. And I went up to this conference, Passion Conference up in Atlanta. And sometimes God saves you like in a moment. And sometimes he gently pulls you in. Some of you may have been getting drawn to God for weeks. And you're like, man, this just keeps coming up. I keep, I keep hearing God calling me. And up at that conference, there was a line in the sand moment that said, Jesus, I'm in. I want to know you. I don't know what that means. God, I know I got a ton of crud in my life. God, I, I know I haven't lived for you at all. I don't even know what that looks like. But God, this is my line in the sand, I'm in. I want to know you. And it hasn't been a perfect journey from that moment, but God saved me that day. And I've been a work in progress ever since. And I'm on the same journey he's calling you into. And so today, I've really got two things. As we respond, Chase is gonna play. Man, I'd love, if you'd like to come and pray, you're welcome to. But the first thing is this, if you've never drawn that line in the sand, if you've never said, Jesus, I, I want a relationship with you. I've heard about you, but I want to know you. I want to be freed of my sin. I, I want to be adopted into this family. God, I wanna be with you for all eternity. Man, right now in just a second, that can be you today. And man, this isn't a church that's judgment. Man, we celebrate that because we've all been there. And for the next crew, man, if you know Jesus is Lord, all of us have a next step to take. It's been clear, God's heart for the church, right? And you've got a part to play. Today is the day to begin to prepare your heart to play the part. As the college students are coming back in this fall season of ministry, man, let God use you in a powerful way, whether it be inviting someone to church, taking your next step, whatever that looks like, man, God wants to use you. And so whatever God puts on your heart in this time, I'm gonna pray and invite you in to whatever God has. Let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord, Lord, we do love you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the message today. God, I, I pray right now. First, Lord, I, I just wanna speak to 
Maybe someone in the room who, who doesn't know you that say, Buck, today I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I admit I'm a sinner and today's the day that, that I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. If that's you today, I'm just gonna ask you as an extension of faith, would you just lift your hand and say, today's the day I want, amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. So if God's working on your heart, you won't be the only one today. Is there anyone else that would say, today is the day, Buck, I want a relationship with Jesus. That man, I wanna be called into this great story. I want to be adopted into this family. Is there anyone else? Amen. Thank you, brother. Anyone else that would say yes to Christ today? Say that Jesus, I wanna know you. Amen. For the rest of us, God, I pray right now, whatever you're doing in this place, God, Lord, would we humble ourselves, God? Would we take that next step, God? Would we go to that next step's table? Or God, would we simply pray? Would we find someone to pray with us, God? Would we be and become all you want us to, God? I'm convinced that the very best is yet to come. God, I think back of just a, just a couple of college students that didn't know what in the world we were doing. God had no idea. God, all we had was an open Bible and a heart to obey. No clue. But God, what I learned from those days, God, Billy Shiver, Jordan Thigpen, what I learned is, God, you can do much with one life that commits to you. God, you can do much through one person that just says yes to you. And so, God, I pray for that vision to be birthed in hearts today. God, I pray for the vision of this body, God, that, that the very best is yet to come. It's in front. And God, that you're gonna raise up this next generation, this next group of people that say yes to your great call, that say yes to your great commission, that say yes to your great command, that God, that surrender and love you with all their hearts and God, build your kingdom. And God, we can joyfully celebrate as we run into heaven together. God, I pray that over this fellowship. God, I pray for that. God, I thank you for how you have connected, equipped and sent so many of us all over Georgia, all over the world. And God, I know because Jesus, you hadn't come back yet, you're not done. We thank you for that, God. I pray this with all I know to pray, God. Give us that heart, give us that vision, give us that passion to see your kingdom come, Lord, to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the new family members we have that have said yes to you. God, may we help equip them for the great work you have. We love you, Jesus. First, in your precious name we pray, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate some new family members this morning?